0: Good morning, Journey. It is great to get to connect with you. Um, As you can tell, this is not the normal backdrop that we have. Normally, I would be at the commons with some big black drapes behind me. But uh, today, you are in my home, and I'm very excited to invite you into my home. Uh, One of the phrases that maybe you've heard before is that home is where the heart is. And part of our reason for wanting to do this from my home is that I want to share my heart with you and for you for this coming year. Uh, We're in the wake of Christmas now. Christmas is now in the rear view mirror. You've probably cleaned up from all the packages and wrapping paper that has been thrown around your house, you're maybe even starting to return some of those things that you didn't want. Maybe you're shopping some after Christmas specials, maybe you're even one of those ambitious people that have already started to take down your decorations. It's gonna be just a couple days from now and Carmen is gonna be taking those trees down at our house and that always bums me out because I love the Christmas season so much, I always hate to see it come to an end. And since Christmas is in the rearview mirror, that means that the new year uh, is in the windshield for us. We're looking ahead to that. And there's never been a year in my life when collectively, I think the populace is saying, I want this year to be over. I want to move to the next year. We've all seen the dumpster fire memes uh, all over social media and we've all laughed at those. But uh, there's a lot of things in this last year that didn't make us laugh. Um, If we're really, really honest, for many, many people, 2020 was one of the most challenging years that they've ever experienced. Uh, You understand that, We're walked through and are still walking through a global pandemic that has been physically and mentally draining in the lives of people beyond anything that I could have ever comprehended. Uh, And on top of that, this last summer, we saw racial tensions boiling over in our country that just threatened to tear our nation apart. I've never seen a more divisive election season. Um, I just can't remember anything quite like this. All those things are happening happening culturally and then there's also just the normal things that are happening in your life the simple challenges that you're facing just to get through life this has been a challenging year now the next thing that i say i don't want to sound like a wet blanket or i don't want to be that glass half empty guy but i've got to tell you just because we turn the calendar here in a handful of days does not mean that our challenges are going to go away. 2021 could actually be a much more difficult year than the one that we were just in. And when I think about my life and my leadership in and around Christian ministry, uh, there's never been a more challenging year for me to lead in a church than this last year. There were so many things that kept coming at me. I just felt like there was just curveball after curveball. And uh, the phrase that people always just said is we've got to learn to pivot. Um, I hate that word pivot at this point. Uh, In fact, when I hear that word pivot, I kind of want to punch people in the throat that are saying it um, because I feel like I've pivoted more this last year than in a whole career of basketball. As I've been engaging around what it's like to lead right now, one of the things I do is I listen to a lot of thought leaders around the country that uh, speak and give insight into some of the challenges that people are experiencing. And some of those challenges relate to the people that do what I do, people that lead churches and pastor churches. And something that they've been talking about is another epidemic, an an epidemic of people in my role that are leaving ministry forever. And when I read some of the things that they're writing, they say that this next year could probably even have greater exodus from pastoral ministry than before. I relate to why those people are feeling like they feel. I felt very stretched. At times I felt very tired. Often I felt way in over my head. I felt stuck, I felt confused. And there's so many times I've just said, Lord, I just need help. When things are challenging and when there's lots of disequilibrium, everything in us wants to just reach out and grab a hold of something that's solid. And here's what I realized that was convicting me toward the late summer. I was spending way too much time, I think, listening to voices around our country that were trying to speak into this situation rather than just simply listening to the voice of Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean that those voices were wrong, that those voices were bad, that they didn't have a lot of great informed opinions, but I felt Jesus saying to me, Bob, this is your bedrock. This is what you've got to lean into. This has got to be the voice that you're listening to right now. And there was a day that I just had to look myself in the mirror and just humbly as a pastor say, I need to remind myself the things that I've been trying to remind people for decades now, that we are God's sheep. And the primary thing that he is asking us to do is to listen to him, to hear his voice, and to follow him, to be figure out how to drown out all the other voices in this world, even good voices, so that his voice is the loudest one that we hear too. Because like, like I said, in those places of uncertainty, we'll do anything we can to try to grab a hold of something solid. And we don't have anything more solid to grab a hold onto than the voice of Jesus. We don't know what is gonna happen in 2021. We don't know what the future holds but we know that we have the voice of the one who holds the future at our fingertips. And if I could give a gift to my church, the people that I love, to the people that I shepherd, and even a gift to myself, it would be that 2021 would be the year that we learn more than any other year how to listen to the voice of the shepherd. That at the end of this year, you would say, I can hear him with greater clarity than I did before. Not only do I know what he's saying, but I'm also willing to obey it. I don't just hear it, I follow it with great courage because I have great confidence in my great shepherd. 2021 journey, I want it to be the year that we learn together. How do we hear and respond to the voice of the good shepherd? Building those kind of rhythms into our life learning to hear his voice. There's nothing else that I could give you, there's nothing else that I could give me that would be more transformational in my life, more transformational in your life, in our church, and in our valley, than if people learned to listen to Jesus. But here's the promise that Jesus made about his voice. This is gonna be the scripture that we jump off from. In Matthew chapter seven, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, probably one of Jesus' most famous sermons. Here's what Jesus said, starting in verse 24. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus makes us a promise in this passage and the promise is this, storms are gonna come. Storms are gonna come just like they did in 2020. They're gonna come in 2021 and we don't know what they are, storms are gonna come But he said the difference is, how do we handle our storms? That's the two differences. We can be wise or we can be foolish in how we handle storms. And we handle them well when we hear his word, we hear his voice, and we put it into practice. We do the things that he said. So today, I want to give us three things that you're going to need to pay attention to in your life if you're going to be the kind of person that learns how to hear the voice of the good shepherd You're going to need to learn to pay attention to the pace of your life. You're going to need to pay attention to the place where you engage with God. And you're going to need to make a plan. First, I want to talk with you about pace. I'm just going to say it. You need to slow your life down. You need to slow down. And I I know right now that there are probably people on the other side of that camera that are sitting there comfortably on their couch. And in the back of your mind, you've already said, I've tried this all before, Bob, I don't have time. I've gotta tell you, intimacy with Jesus, learning how to hear his voice, it can't be hurried. It can't be rushed. There's no shortcut to this. You've got to slow down. And you've got to build in structures and rhythms in your life to make the kind of intimacy and communion with Jesus possible. Not only that he wants for you, but that I believe many of you want for you. We need to slow down because you can't live your life at warp speed without warping your soul. There's no shortcuts. I promise you, if there was, I would have found one by now. There are other people that would have found it. They would have made an app For it by now there is no shortcut to intimacy with jesus i wish there was but there's not and even when we look back at the life of jesus we see that he didn't model for us any kind of shortcut when jesus was here he only had three years to do the ministry that he was called to do to build a movement of men and women that was going to change the world he had three years to do that he had lots of things to accomplish But when you look at the rhythm of his life, it said the normal part of his life was to pull away, to go away into those desert places, to go up on a mountain, to listen to the voice of the Father. Sometimes it says that he would spend the whole night praying. And then it says sometimes when he would come back, he would say things like, I'm only gonna do what I see the Father doing. He pulled away. He listened to the voice of God and he followed it with absolute obedience. And when you look at the life of Jesus, I love this. Read through the gospels. Was Jesus in a hurry? No, he was never in a hurry. Even though he had so much to accomplish, he was never in a hurry. So if Jesus needed to slow down in order to hear the voice of God, so do you. And I was thinking about this, if Van Epps was preaching this message, he would say, good enough for Jesus, good enough for you. And I think that's true. If Jesus needed to slow down, friends, so do we. And that might mean that we need to prune some things out of our life, some cut some things out of our life to give God access to our life to speak. But not only do we need to pay attention to the pace of our life, we've gotta pay attention to the place. Where is the place that we meet with God? A couple of years ago, Carmen and I had the privilege, we got to go to New York City. Uh, My daughter was singing at Carnegie Hall with her uh, choir group uh, from Bozeman High School. And one of the highlights there, besides getting to hear her sing, was the opportunity that we had to meet up with our neighbor that lives actually just right across the street over here, a young guy in his early 20s living in New York City. And he got together with us and he took us just to show us some of the cool things that he appreciated about New York City. Fun to be with him, but fun to learn the things that he knew. As we were walking through Grand Central Station, you've all heard of Grand Central Station. There was this place in a tunnel that he said, you've got to see this. It was just outside the oyster bar. There was a place called the Whispering Wall. And it was kind of a place where a couple of kind of the tunnels and uh, railways come together. And there was a, a kind of an arched ceiling. And it was so interesting if you got on two different sides of this arch and you actually put your face into the corner Someone else could be uh, yards and yards away, probably 40 or 50 feet away, and you could whisper, you could talk into the wall, and they could hear you on the other side. When he told me this could happen, I thought, there's absolutely no way. When we did it, Carmen and I started having a conversation, and I thought, somebody is jerking my chain. There's got to be a microphone here somewhere. But some of you know that what makes this even more amazing to me is that my wife is almost deaf. She can hear my voice a little bit, but we were able to have a conversation. We were able to drown out all the noise of Grand Central Station and whisper to one another. Friends, what you need in your life is a whispering wall, a place like that where you can go, where you can put your face in the wall, put your face in the word, put your face toward Jesus and speak and drown out all the other noises, all the other voices in the world because you need to hear his voice in the midst of all the chaos. You need a whispering wall location in your life. Jesus had those as well. When I talked about earlier that he pulled away, he slowed down, he would go to what they called lonely places. He would go to the desert, he would go to the mountain. Places where he would be solitary and undistracted, a position in a place where he could unhindered hear the voice of the Father. We need to find those kind of desert places, those kind of whispering places in our life. When I think about me, the most consistent place for me is actually right around this corner right there on our couch. Uh, I get up early in the morning. I have an opportunity before anybody else gets up. It's the place for me to be quiet. I've got my Bible. I've got my journal. I've got my pen. I've got the Holy Spirit. And I've got a cup of coffee. Um, I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I have coffee. Because I think sometimes without coffee, the Holy Spirit can be quenched. Um, I don't have a Bible verse for that. But over time, I believe 100% that it's true. Where's your whispering place? Where's that place where you can go that is undistracted and quiet and an opportunity for you to open up your heart, to open up your life, and give God access to every part of your life? You've gotta slow down your pace. You've gotta find a place. But I'm gonna get really practical now. You've got to have a plan. A plan to what you're gonna do to actually allow God's voice to speak into your life. And what I want to do today on the very practical level is I want to teach you about what theologians over time have called a rule of life and how to develop a rule of life. And to try to explain to you what a rule of life is, I'm going to have to show you something in my backyard. The term rule of life has its linguistic origins in the Greek word that means trellis. It's a structure or a framework that allows things to grow. Now, if you get down here, you can't see this right now, but underneath the ground, there are hops rhizomes. And when spring comes in the beginning of July, you know, when spring comes around here, things are gonna grow out of the ground. The hops are gonna grow out of the ground. And because there's a structure there, an intentional structure, it'll give them the opportunity to grow. Many times I'll come around here in the spring and there'll be hops that are trying to grow, but they're just growing along the ground and they get stuck and they're not able to grow. This is what we want to do with the rule of life is to create an intentional framework or structure that helps us grow in our spiritual life. In a formal rule of life, you look at lots of different areas of your life so you can pay attention to God in more than just one aspect your life. There's lots of different variations to a rule of life, but what I've done is I've borrowed mine from Pete Scazzaro, and there are four primary categories of the Benedictine spiritual life. Prayer, rest, relationships, and work. As you can see, though, in this rule of life, that the center of everything is Jesus. How do we experience love and connection to Jesus in everything that we do. And the four areas that we're gonna look at, the first one is prayer. And these are just a handful of ideas that you can use to try to engage with Jesus in the area of prayer. One I would say that I would highly recommend is a daily reading plan, an opportunity not for you to just read, but a chance for you to pray over the scriptures and to ask the questions, God, what are you saying to me? What is it that you want me to do? And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word. Journaling, I believe is a great way for us to be able to capture the things that God is saying to us. We can do a day with the Lord, we can do a Sabbath, which is taking a 24 hour period and ceasing from all paid and unpaid work. Those are, and you can see that there's some other bullet points there that you can make this your own. There's freedom within this framework. You know how you connect with God best, but these are some things that you can do to try. First area is prayer. The second area is rest, that we've got to learn to slow down. We've got to learn to disengage from things of life. One I would say is just simply sleep. Sometimes I think the most spiritual things that some of us can do is just take a stinking nap. Just rest a little bit, let your body rest. Find places of silence and solitude. And maybe for some of you, that would be silence and solitude from social media. Disengage from the things of this world to give God opportunity to speak to you. Well-planned vacations, opportunities to get genuine rest, not those kind of vacations that you come home from and you've got to rest for a week just to catch your breath from the vacation, but well-planned, restful vacation. Recreation. And I know that this is going to be on everybody's list in Bozeman and that's why we live here. We have so many recreation opportunities. But that's what God wants us to do, to recreate ourselves, enjoy him, enjoy his creation. Get outside, ski, hunt, fish. But if outside is not your thing, maybe there's inside things that recover your soul. Take some time to read. The last one on there, it may not seem like rest, but it's exercise. God made us with body, mind, and soul. We've got to take care of all aspects of our life. Uh, It was probably about three years ago, this was one of the things that I put on my rule of life for the first time. And I said, I'm gonna try to get to the gym five or six times in a week, and I'm gonna try to build that rhythm into my life. And I need to tell you, it's been life-changing for me. You might just think it's about our physical health, but because we are a unified being, Physical health moves into my mental health, into my spiritual health. And discipline in that area of my life spills over into other parts of my life as well. Think about adding exercise to the rest part of your rule of life. And relationships. If you know anything about God, you know that God exists in relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we function in relationship. And if we are gonna be healthy beings created in the image of God, we've got to have healthy relationships. So set some intentionality, some goals around friendships in your life. Who are those friendships that fill you up? You know, you have those friendships that fill you up and there's also those friendships or people in your life that deflate you spend time with those people that fill your cup your family members be intentional about engaging with them and your spiritual family journey that's why we exist is to be a spiritual family together to spur one another on toward love and good deeds that's why we do things like journey communities so that we can be a body so that we can encourage one another That's why we always talk about moving from rows to circles. If we are going to be healthy spiritually, if we're going to grow and we're going to be able to hear the voice of God, we're going to learn how to hear it with and around each other and even from each other. That's why circles are so important around journey. And the last thing is work. Sometimes we think about work as completely separate from our spiritual life. But work is central to our spiritual life as well as these other things. In fact, the word is interesting. When we talk about work, we call it our vocation. And that word vocation has that same root word, voca, as we have in vocal or voice or calling. Your work is your calling. It's not just people that do ministry that have a calling from God. Everybody has a calling from God in the work that they're to do. And we're to honor God and to hear from God and the world hear from us in the context of our work. So one of the things we want to do is just think about what is our personal and professional development in and around the things that we do day in and day out. How can you hear from Jesus in the midst of your calling? But I want to remind you that when we talk about rule of life, it's not just a bunch of rules doing all the things, even if you could do all the things that are on here is not the point. The point, the end goal is Jesus. Am I growing in loving communion and intimacy with Jesus? Am I learning to hear his voice? This isn't about us trying to figure out how to do something for Jesus. This is about us learning how to do something with Jesus. Our life is to be lived with him. And I just want to remind you, I want to use this phrase again, that these are not all the things that you have to do. You need to do you. Do the things that you know allow you to be able to connect to the voice of God. There's freedom within this framework. Do the things that help you connect with God. And I do know that there's going to be probably two temptations that are going to make this really, really difficult for people. The first temptation would be, it kind of seems overwhelming. I don't know if I have time. I'm not gonna do anything. If I could do something, would would you just try? Just even to prove me wrong that you don't think that it helps. Just prove me wrong in 2021 that doing these things doesn't help you grow to hear the voice of God in your life. That's one thing, that one temptation is to do nothing. A second temptation is to try to do everything, to try to come up with a list of 10 things that you're gonna do in every quadrant. I highly suggest do not do this. I would say at a maximum, think about one rhythm in each of these areas that you want to build into your life this year. And that would be the most that I would think that anyone should try to do. Even if you built one of these rhythms into your life in this next year, it is gonna move you ahead in your spiritual life. And if you were gonna do just one thing, this would be the one that I would want you to do. Starting this next year at Journey, we're gonna be doing a reading plan together. We're gonna be reading through the New Testament starting on January 1st, four days from now. uh, We're gonna be starting a a reading plan through the New Testament with the Bible Project. There's gonna be some background videos and there's gonna be an opportunity to read every day. Uh, You're gonna be able to access that reading plan through our website, journeyweb.net. Here's what I want you to do. Do this with us. All you need is you need to have a Bible, you need to have a journal, you need to have a pen. And the reason I say a pen is because I show up with a pen because I believe that God is gonna speak to me when I show up and I wanna catch those things. I wanna write them down. Let's show up with a Bible, a journal, and a pen and an expectation that God's gonna speak to us. Here's what I want us to do throughout this year, that we would engage in the reading plan. And when we engage, it's not just about reading, but we would actually ask the questions of God. God, what is it that you're saying to me? And what is it that you want me to do? We talked about this a handful of weeks ago. We talked about those Kairos moments, those times sometimes when we're reading the scriptures, when something seems to jump out at us, those nudges, those promptings. Capture those, write those down, and ask those questions. God, what are you saying? What is it that you want me to do? This is how I want us to do this together as well. I'm going to be doing this. And one of the things I'm going to do with some of the other pastors and staff is on Our Journey Facebook group, we're going to be posting what God is speaking to us and what he's asking us to do online. And what I want you to do is engage with us on that. You can comment on that. I think maybe sometimes I'll share a little video of what I think God might be saying to me. Sometimes I might just type it out. Sometimes I might just take a a picture of my journal page just to let people know this is what God is saying to me. But I also wanna hear what God is saying to you and what he's asking you to do. If that's a little bit overwhelming to you, engage with someone else by maybe just texting the answers to those questions. That's what I'm doing right now with one of my close friends. We read the scriptures in the morning and probably about six o'clock, I know that my phone's gonna buzz and I'm gonna get a text of what it is that God is saying to him and what it is that he wants us to do. If we're gonna grow in intimacy in 2021, we've gotta think about three things, Journey. We gotta think about the pace of our life. We've got to slow down. We've gotta prune some things. We need to make space for God to speak to us. We need to think about a place. Where is that desert? Where is that undistracted place where we can give God access to our heart in new and unprecedented ways? And what's your plan? What are you gonna do? How are you gonna get intentional about doing the things that it's gonna take in order to grow in your relationship with him, to grow in your intimacy and to grow in your communion with him? One of the greatest desires that Jesus has is to have this kind of communion with you. And what he did at the very end of his ministry life is he sat down with his disciples and he celebrated what we call Communion, because he wanted it etched in our mind that he wants intimacy with us. He wants closeness with us. And he wants us to be reminded, church, that that intimacy is not because of things that we do for him, it's about what he did for us. Jesus died on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. What I love about the New Testament account is that one account where it talks about when Jesus died on the cross, that the curtain in the temple was torn. And that curtain represents the separation between God and the people. Nobody could go behind that curtain. But when that curtain was torn, it was as if God was screaming to the world, my presence is made available to you. Communion is made available to you. And so when we celebrate the death of Jesus, we remember that God wants communion, God wants intimacy with us. And so church, I want us to celebrate communion together. If you've gathered your elements there at your home or wherever it is that you are, I want you to grab those now. Jesus, when he was with those that he was closest with, At the end of his life, he took some bread and he held it up to heaven and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, after the supper, he held up a cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. When you drink of this, remember me. Church, let's remember Christ's love for us his commitment to us, and his desire to have communion with us as we celebrate communion together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this beautiful reminder that it isn't about what we do for you, It's about what you've done for us. You don't want us to do stuff for you. You want us to do stuff with you. And we hold up our life, we hold up our hands, and we say, Jesus, in this next year, our heart's desire is to know you more. We want to hear your voice more clearly than we do today. We want to follow your voice in obedience more courageously than we do today. God, I pray that over my life. I pray that over the people that are behind the lens of this camera, that are listening to the sound of my voice, that that would be true for them as well. God, that this would be what transforms our life, that transforms our valley, transforms our families, transforms the cities that we live in. Jesus, thank you that you died for us. We celebrate you today. Jesus, in your name we pray amen. I love you, Journey. Let's have a great 2021.